Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What's going on, ladies and germs? It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with Trey Van Buskirk on a beautiful Tuesday night here on this rock floating around in the middle of the earth, wrapping itself around the sun, going at breakneck speed. Here we are to talk about MMA. What's up, man? How are you, bro? Love how you said the germs, dude. Did you did you catch the virus that is a live crowd at UFC? The excitement? I did catch that. I did catch the, uh, the spirit of animosity, right? And I got the... Uh, I did. I, I did see that the the violence almost was contagious. There was videos popping up left and right of fights in the crowd, fights in the lobby, fights in a parking lot. Yeah. Like my kind of shindig, bro. Yeah. That's dude. That's South Carolina one hundred and one, dude. You just go out, sit on your your trailer with a Bud Light, and you just throw out a dollar bill and let people fight for it. It's weird that you went right to the trailer right from the beginning. I'm telling you, when, and you, you'll see this on July 10th whenever you show up as we commentate the, the next Ram FC event, that, that that may be true for certain parts of South Carolina, such as it must very much uh, may be that way for California as well. But by and large, is not how South Carolina is. The way you envision it in your mind and the way it actually plays out are two very different stories. You know, it's funny you brought out a gun on our last episode. I was, I, if I put money on it, it would have been a banjo. Allegedly, I allegedly showed a firearm. Allegedly, but it was, <laughs> it was of a the capa- the the magazine capacity of was a, of a legal amount. Um, and since then, I have lost that firearm in a boating accident. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I lost it while I was wearing my mask. <laughs> I just, I lost it in a boating accident. I can't speak on what happened, but yeah. Lost in a boating accident. It is a beautiful Tuesday night, like I said, Trey. You know what I need? Do you know what I need? Ooh, what do you need, sir? Oh, man. 
You done did that? I done did that, bro. Do you have one for me? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. What do you? What kind of seltzer are you drinking tonight? <laughs> Cherry. Cherry. Awesome. <laughs> Feel awesome. a certain type of way. <laughs> awesome. You're like a 17 year old girl in a field party. Yeah, I like it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm doing anything any better. Uh, I've got Edmonds Oast cereal for dinner tonight. Cereal for dinner. Local brewery here, Edmonds Oast. Let me read this off to you. You ready for this? Okay. It's a blonde ale brewed with almonds, vanilla, lactose, and coconut. Oh, my God. It sounds like a protein shake. It's delicious. It's delicious. <sighs> it's funny that you mentioned protein because you know what I'm going to have during the show. <laughs> What's that? I'm going to eat some steak, man. Uh, I talked a lot of shit online today about being super high energy. And then when I came home from work, all of that energy went directly to my kids. So as soon as they fell asleep, guess what happened to your boy? I mm. fell asleep too. And I fell asleep on steak night. So I'm pretty upset by that. But what I do have right here is I do have some steak fajitas right in front of me. Uh, stay classy meats. I use promo code fist, save 10% on the entire thing. So while you're doing your ad read, which is coming up next, and we have some exciting news to announce. Uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to take a bite of steak and I'm going to wash it down with this ice cold beer. But yeah, stay classy meats using promo code fist, save 10% on the entire thing. They do have a sale going on right now with their ground beef and ground Wagyu. It is 46% off. Go check it out. Use promo code fist, save another 10%, 56% off ground Wagyu. Anyway, as you were. Well, while you chew on that, I'm going to give you something else to chew on here, good sir. Our boy, Punchless MMA sponsored fighter, Taylor Tombstone Johnson, sponsored by and large the greatest clothing company to ever grace its presence in the United States, which, by the way, you're rocking. I'm rocking. All veterans are rocking because it's veteran owned. Taylor Tombstone Johnson signed his contract today. That's right. June 11th. June 11th. It's he funny. Placed the Bellator cage. Well, it's funny because Taylor texts me and he's like, dude, the contract's signed. And uh -oh. I was like, who are you fighting? And he goes, I don't know, some fucking Russian guy. I don't I don't know anything about him. Which is our speed for sure. That's I love this. This well, is what I need. That's the yeah. energy. I hit him up, dude, and I said, Well, okay, shoot me his name. First off, dude's not from Russia. He's from here. <laughs> True. He is from here. Yeah. But the name one hundred percent a Russian name. I'll give you an opportunity to say that name right now. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, I didn't know you. I didn't. We were. I didn't. I've been preparing myself for the pronunciations that we're going to have later on in the show. I wasn't really preparing for this one. I yeah. like how you throw me these curveballs, though. Mm -hmm. Keep you on your toes. Yep. All right. Kadzermarat Bastive. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Kadzermarat Bastive. If people are not familiar with Bastive, the guy got knocked the hell out <laughs> in his contender series against i'm blanking right now what are you talking about your freaking best friend on the planet earth none other than phil hawes if you want to see bastive's best work watch him get slept by trey's best friend phil hawes on the contender series as well, last year but the year before that's right. Well, here's the thing, dude. Taylor's going to come in and put him to sleep as well. Two mm. sleeps in a row. Night, mm. night, good night for this dude. Double nap. Uh, really pumped. He's going to be rocking, obviously, the Punchless logo. He's obviously going to be rocking on the biggest billboard, though, 
the greatest clothing brand ever, Allegiance Clothing. And guys, if you want to support Taylor, if you want to support a veteran USA-made badass clothing company, go to allegianceclothing.com, type in that code PUNCH, and you're going to get 15% off site-wide. There will be a there's going to be a pre-order or pre-sale for Taylor's walkout shirt. This is the first generation mm-hmm. tombstone walkout shirt. And there was the green um Daisy. Huckleberry. Yeah. Uh Daisy if you do shirt. And then now we have a new one, which we're not gonna we're not supposed to reveal yet, but I have seen it. And it made certain parts of my body fill up with blood. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> the sweet T-shirt, man. Yeah. I'm excited for it. All right. All right. Let's recap a little bit what happened. UFC 262. I want to get your thoughts. Your your. Let me get give me before we break down this card because we are going to move through this card for this weekend fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, give me two big takeaways for you coming out of UFC 262. I'm a horrible better. Okay. Um, I say that because I went really aggressive. While I felt like I called everything exactly how it transpired, I went too aggressive in the bets. I got too cute, as you would say. Mm-hmm. Benny Dariush fight, I knew he was going to dismantle Tony Ferguson. Now, while it wasn't the most exciting fight, I went inside the distance. I actually played both KO and submission. But to your point, you're like, why would you do that with a guy that's never been finished? Because yeah. I thought, whether it was the Charles Oliveira you know, arm bar – I knew that Benny Darius could rip off a limb if need mm-hmm. be, which he almost did with that heel hook. A normal person would attack. Yeah. You were on the right side of that. It just didn't end well for you. Yeah. Didn't end well. Um, outside of that, what did we say the safest bet on the entire card was? Kayla Jukagian by decision, yeah, baby. Let's go. And that hit, of course. Uh, she did weather a good storm those first rounds. The judging, I will say, was atrocious in association to that. Um, outside of that, um, gosh, you got to give it to Charles Oliveira. What a, what a way to weather that first round and then have a total saving grace in the second round. I give it to the ref in that first round. I would have probably called it and waved it off as he was in turtle position trying to get a single and, and kind of didn't even go for it for a quick second. So for him to get through that first round, rebound like that and do it in a KO style, unfreaking believable. Yeah, if you're Michael Chandler, I don't know how – I mean, obviously he's one of those guys that tries to Tony Robbins every situation. But I don't know how you Tony Robbins that one if you watch that fight back. Because you were on the brink of victory and just – this is armchair quarterbacking. This is fat guy on a couch saying do more. But you were <laughs> legit three punches away from getting – a referee stoppage. Yeah. Just this. I mean, again, I know he's picking his shots, but just the slightest bit more urgency there probably would have netted you the result that you had been training for the entire time. Just right. a little bit more of an output instead of spamming the right hand over and over again. Perhaps, you know, we've seen it before. Um, like you know, Piotr Jan monkey punch, if you will, anything to just sort of get more hands, more activity, increase the visual, right? Uh, probably would have attempted um, or probably would have resulted uh, in either a, a more panicked scramble attempt by Charles Oliveira or the referee coming in, stopping the fight. I, I just, I think if you're Michael Chandler and you watch that fight back, you're not so much mad about getting caught with that left hook because it was clean. You're more mad at 
just not being the slightest bit more aggressive when you had Oliveira hurt. Because I mean, it was that. I mean, it's that close. A couple more punches, even if they're not landing, just the 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 visual, the optics of 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 the busyness would have got it done for him there. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting one for sure. So hats off to Charlie Olives, like you said. Um, I did not think he was going to win that fight, and he definitely did. He looked good. I still do not believe, and this sounds like straight haterade, I still do not believe Charles Oliveira is the best 155-pounder on the planet Earth, but he is the champ right now. He worked his ass off to get there, 28 fights in the UFC to do it, um, and he got it done. So I can't, I'm not going to shortchange the guy's accomplishments. Not only that, Trey, but in finishing Michael Chandler, he moves into sole possession of the number the number one spot of the most finishes in company history. So we're talking about a guy with 28 fights before he wins the UFC belt, and now he is the sole owner of the most finishes in UFC history. And I struggle to make myself care about him. I, I, I totally agree. Regardless of the excitement and the finishes, I just don't – I don't know, especially him calling that, hey, he could drop back down a division. He doesn't want to count that back out, that he still believes that he could be a dual division champ. I don't see it, um, but, hey, it's a bottleneck in that division anyways. We're going to see a round robin of sorts, and it's going to get exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so hats off to Charlie Olives. A um, couple things real quick. We had some controversial judging in the Mike Grundy – Lando Venata fight, uh, 30-27s going both ways, one for Grundy, one for <laughs> Venata, which was crazy. Uh, again, I will say it, open scoring is the cure to this thing. Um, and then Shevchenko losing to Andrea Lee by, I guess that was armbar, like triangle, triangle armbar. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just wild. Did not see that coming. Um yeah, I mean that was. The, I think those were probably outside of the main event. Those were my two biggest fights of note. The Burgos, obviously, the Burgos knockout was interesting. Um, that delayed, you know, get cracked with a right hand, and then it takes ten seconds for the legs to shut off. Thing that was pretty wild. Um, but other than that, out before that, I didn't think that fight was going his way, uh, which I was surprised by because he's tailor made to beat a guy like uh, Barboza, and it just was not going his way. So yeah, I think I think my big takeaway is Charlie Olives is fantastic. He's the lightweight champ of the world, but I don't think he's the best lightweight. And um, to beat the same drum we've been beating for years, we need better judging. There you go. <laughs> um, last thing I want to say, as much as I'm the biggest Benny Darius fan outside of Uriah Faber, I'm going to say I was not a fan of his uh, his call out and his post fight speech. I know he was getting booed like crazy because Tony Ferguson is it's Tony Ferguson land apparently over in Texas, but man, I don't like the Elon Musk shout out. I thought that was kind of cringe worthy. was not a fan. Well, here's the thing about Benny Darius is he is a cringe dude. Um, he's, no, he's just, the he's not good. On the, he's not good on the mic, man. He's not good on the mic. Here's the thing, right? I, I, I will say this. I don't know. I don't know a Christian fighter that is good on the mic. Wonder boy. <laughs> not really. Not really. Not really. <laughs> uh, he comes up, thanks the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Says he had a great fight. Tells Joe's hair looks good. Says he's happy to be there. Then he always just says, "I'll fight whoever they want next. I want to fight for a belt." Right? Does the Chris Weidman? I want to fight for a belt next. That's it. Doesn't call anybody out. Thinks everything will be a f- everything's fun. Everything's dandy. Everything's great. That's it. Michael Chandler did like a wrestling promo after he beat Dan Hooker, which was awful. But people for some reason. The media ate it up. 
Uh, Rory McDonald, ever since he found the Lord, goodness gracious, because I mean, oh boy, um, that's like a convict finding finding faith in, in while he's in prison. That's that's scary. Um, yeah, then Darius. I mean, I thought it was funny. One thing I did think was funny though is that he uh, denounced Marxist ideology. And there was the video that was out. I believe I want to give credit where credit's due. I believe it was Sam Alvey put the video out of that clip with the subtitles on, mm-hmm. and they changed it from Marxist to Scientology. Ooh. <laughs> so it was like everybody affected by Marxist ideology, they changed it in the subtitles to Scientology. Now that is not <laughs> those things are nowhere near the same. That was no. a de- that was a deliberate switch up. Which Ooh. I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's, that's weird, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, I thought that thing the call out for Elon Musk was different. But I mean, it's no different though than when Clay Guida called out Obama. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. <laughs> so I mean, or was Obama or Trump? I can't remember. I think he called out Obama. I, or no, it was Trump. Four is four years ago. Five years ago, it might have been Trump. I think maybe he said something. I don't know, man. It's something about golf and having the country's best interest at heart. I can't remember. But when Clay Guida called out the president, whoever the president was at the time, that was a pretty that was a pretty strange one too. Yeah, he's so, a wild card. Eh, you never know. Anyway, I think it was the UFC Fairfax card. I think that was in Virginia. Ooh, there you go, Mr. Encyclopedia. If I believe hmm. Well, let's get know. into this card because I'm Back telling check. you, you're going to have to freaking dive deep in these prelims here. Buddy. Yeah, let's rifle through these, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Um we usually push this thing to an hour. I don't think we got an hour's worth of talking here, but we maybe we will. I don't know, man. Maybe we will. I'm excited about some of these for sure. All right. So who's since you're running the show? Spoiler alert: the reason why we're a little bit late starting is producer Jake is not here today. Uh, he is currently traveling across the Southwest. Those of you who do not know what producer Jake huh? does, smoke let's, weed. Well, he also he does uh, <laughs> indulge in the world's f- finest greenery but producer jake uh i'm trying to think about the best way to put this without sounding derogatory but i'm just going to go ahead and let it rip producer jake works for a company that's that installs audio video equipment in the bars catered towards people of alternative lifestyles what's an alternative lifestyle ones that are more rainbow colored or rainbow color, what would they have in, like, I don't know, we, diverse crowd in there? They all share something in common, I think. I think all the people in there share something in common. They may come all, they may all come from different backgrounds, but they've got one thing in common. Dicks. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that, so, uh, Jake, Jake installs audio video equipment in uh, bars <laughs> for companies or for people like that. Um, so, yeah. so, so, so Jake is traipsing around the Southwest of the United States, just living his best life. So hats off to producer Jake. Wait, Dale, would you say that he's balls deep in work right now? <laughs> he might be. He might be. He might be. <laughs> there's yeah. a good chance. There's, yeah. a good, there's a good chance. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a good chance that he is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we love you, Jake. Safe travels. Can't wait to see, have you back next week. All right. Yeah. So who's your first fight on the main card, man? I want to make sure I get this right. David Jorak versus David Julian Paiva. All right. Versus Julian Paiva. 
Yeah? Yeah, that's it. All right, man, run it. Give me my banner, bro. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you told yeah. me. Don't worry about it. I got the banners. Oh, Doe record sorry. a minus 145 pivot, a plus 115. Over runner on rounds is at, <clears throat> excuse me, two and a half. Uh, Dovrek is 19 and three. Paiva is at 20 and three. I really like this fight, Trey. At flyweight, I think this one has potential for a finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the price that you can get on, on Paiva here at plus money. Paiva is sneaky, well rounded. My only concern is, as he carries his chin a little bit on the higher side, um, he is. Oh, I think we lost Dale. That was lost you there. Yeah. No, that was strange. Let's see what's going on here. Connection unstable. <laughs> so what I'm getting, which I don't quite understand. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I'm hardwired into my router, so I don't know why I'd be getting an unstable thing. I literally pay tons of money for the fastest internet available, so. That was a little strange. What was the last thing you heard me say? I, you were happy about the price you could get right now. Yeah, I, I like the I like the price you can get on Piva because Piva is well rounded. Uh, plus one fifteen, I think, is pretty decent. I'm not touching this fight until later on. This will probably be one that I throw in on a two fight parlay as the event is getting ready to start. It'll be on the plays that I like. I'm gonna see how these guys look way in. Dovrek's pretty big. I want to see how he looks against Piva. Piva's long and lanky, has big hands, big feet, um, good spatial awareness, able to, you know, that whole mantra of miss by an inch, miss by a mile. He abides by that, lives in that phone booth, if you will, um, and is willing to engage very long and lanky for a flyweight. I think that he has a good opportunity to beat Dovrak here, but the wrestling and the power and the pace of Dovrak could be a real issue for Piva if Dovrak can close the distance on him. I really don't think that Piva is going to be looking to take the fight to him. I think he's going to be trying to exist in space, find counters, avoid the big shot and try to get him out of there. Dovrek obviously has to negate that, you know, counterattack if he wants to be successful. I want to see what they look like face to face. I want to see the size discrepancy on these guys to see whether or not I like the idea of playing Piva all the way. But one of these guys is going to show up in a two fight parlay for me on Saturday night. You look intrigued. What's up? I Because I think you got these fighters mixed up, man. I'm be honest. I okay. think Jorak's going to utilize his range. He's going hmm. to be very lanky. He's going to use that outside jab. He's going to ha- exercise good footwork. When you look at Paiva, Paiva's a guy that hits like an absolute truck. To your hmm. point, he's going to be in that foam booth. If you watched him against the Kai Car France fight, which, by the way, hmm. he won that fucking fight. That was the hmm. worst judging of all time. He's fought the better judging. competition. I think that Javiorek, if you think he has good wrestling, you have to for, you can't forget that Paiva is coming from Team Alpha Male. This card is riddled with alpha males. Mm. And the Team Alpha Male can tell you one thing. It doesn't matter if you're a striking guy. You're going to have a wrestling base at Team Alpha Male. He's surrounded by some of the best wrestlers in the world. I think that this – I wish I could have snatched Paiva up a little bit earlier. I think that he's got a really good shot at this. I got him at plus 115. Um, he was much higher than that. I mean, Diorak started at like minus 200. The line's getting a little bit closer. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets close to a pick I think that if he can – this is going to be on the feet, to your point, 
I do like under two and a half. I think both these guys are going to stand and trade. Neither mm. one of them is going to want to exercise any groundwork. It's just a matter of if Dvorak is going to exercise that jab and kind of run away, or if he's going to meet in the center with Paiva and they're going to start throwing and Paiva hits like a truck. See, I think it was so with Dvorak or Dvorak, how we want to pronounce his name. He's got 15 uh, finishes as a pro, eight of which are by knockout, seven of which are by submission. So he's not afraid. I'm just looking at what I think his best opportunity for victory is going to I be. I don't think standing and trading and engaging in a stand-up battle with Paiva is a good idea because, like you said, Paiva hits very hard for a flyweight. I, I think that his path to victory is wrestling. That's, I'm not saying that's right. what he, that's the, the cloth that he's cut from, but I think that if he's going to give himself the best opportunity to win this fight – I do believe it's going to be his wrestling. I do believe it, it, it's going to probably boil down to perhaps a submission. But I will say this, a guy that has whatever, 21 pro fights, 22 pro fights, and 15 of which are finishes, I think that you're on the right side of this if you play this fight inside the distance, under two and a half, or just an inside the distance play, might be doable because you're looking at two guys, despite their small weight, have a high propensity to finish fights. This may be yeah. a fight that we see end inside the distance. It's not something that we see very often in lower weight classes, but this one has a good chance of ending inside the distance. Um, and I just believe that Dobrik's path to victory is going to go through wrestling, submissions, things of that nature. Paiva, obviously, like you said, hits very hard. He is rangy, alpha male, so he does have the he does have a wrestling background, but that should just help him in his defense of the wrestling attack of Dobrik. So Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, maybe I, I like you, man. You keep me humble. You make me better articulate my things as opposed to just being lazy in my words. So I appreciate I'm that. I don't let you just gloss over shit, dude. The people want to know. Oh, you're right. You're right. There we you're go. Right. Um, do you, all right. So, I mean, I'll just tell you how Dobrak's going to win this fight then. You just let me tell you how he's going to do it. Yeah, just do it. He's going to win it by rear naked choke. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. What, what's the next fight you got? Felicia Spencer, minus 160 versus Norma Dumont at plus 130. Over and under on rounds is set at two and a half, Dale. Norma Dumont at five and one. Felicia Spencer at eight and two. Is this fight at featherweight? This is at one. It better be at featherweight or I'm going to tell you right now, Norma Dumont's not making the weight. It's 145, yeah. Featherweight. All right, so Norma Dumont might make the weight. Might make the weight. I give her about a 65% chance to make the weight at this point. Um, what's crazy is you look at Norma Dumont physically and you think she shouldn't be the one having a hard time making weight. You'd see Felicia Spencer and go, Felicia right. Spencer should be the one have the hard time making the weight. Felicia Spencer, not big on body shaming like you are, but Felicia Spencer <laughs> is kind of shaped like a strawberry, very skinny up top, big in the middle, real round at the bottom. <laughs> That's kind of how Felicia Spencer gets down. Norma Dumont, on the other hand, just looks like a very large, Brazilian volleyball player with mm -hmm. legs that could probably kick down a coconut tree. I think that's where she probably has the hardest time making weight is everything from the belly button down is cartoon sized. Mm -hmm. um, she's essentially built like Mrs. Incredible for those of you that watch cartoons or kids or have kids and watch the Incredibles. That's how Norma Dumont's built. Uh, that's probably where she carries most of her weight. Plus 130 against Felicia Spencer, minus 160 over on rounds, two and a half, like you said. Do you want to go first on this one? You're the women's or uh, you already know where I'm going here because I've been, I've made a vow to the people that I will only bet women's underdogs. We went two for three last fight. You can't tell me shit right now, but go ahead. <laughs> 
Uh, it's funny you used, uh, I guess, strawberries as a, as a metaphor for Felicia Spencer because she's not going to be red. If anyone's going to be red, it's going to be Norman DeMont. And mm. I say that because Felicia Spencer is already massive for a 145er. Mm. Norma Dumont moving up, even though, you know, she needs that's more of like a healthy weight for her to be carrying around at 145. Felicia Spencer's a different animal or different beast in those type of fights. She is that explode for get you off balance, maul you up against the cage and try and get it to the ground. Norma Dumont, she's she's a counter striker. She kind of moves off her back feet. So she's already going to be kind of leaning towards that back cage. So when momentum pushes you forward and her back's already going up to the cage, where do you think she's going to end up? On the ground. Felicia Spencer, you have to remember, this is someone that literally took the GOAT, Amanda Nunes, all 25 minutes. She is beyond well-rounded. She can hold her own. She's an extremely great wrestler for the 145 division, and no one's going to be taking her down. So Norma's best opportunity here is to pepper, move around, and do whatever she can to point strike. But outside of that, she's not going to take Felicia Spencer down. She's not going to exercise ground and pound. This is very one-sided. I don't. I'm shocked that this line is as close as it is. I hope it gets wider for Felicia's perspective because it's, there's just no way that Norma Dumont gets this thing done. I think it's a hammer on Felicia Spencer, to be honest with you. Like all MMA science aside, right? All MMA science aside, just looking at stylistic matchups and the fact that we're back in the apex and we're fighting in that tiny cage. And the fact that Felicia Spencer has this weird superhuman ability to make everyone fight a Felicia Spencer fight. Like Amanda Nunes didn't beat Felicia Spencer fighting an Amanda Nunes fight. She beat Felicia Spencer by fighting a Felicia Spencer fight. Like she beat Felicia Spencer at her own game because Felicia made her fight her fight. Felicia's one of those weird fighters like a Darren Elkins, like a Clay Guida, who we who, who I've somehow mentioned twice now. Um, this rare form, Chaz Skelly's another one. Mm. Um, this rare form of like weird semi-bad stand-up, but with decent wrestling and, and, and a sneaky cardio they make you fight their fight when they mm -hmm. want you to fight it and they're incredibly tough and incredibly durable hard to get out of there so you have to be prepared for a war norma dumont has to be ready for 15 minutes of just anaerobic hell on saturday night and i don't know if she's built for that now she hits hard for a 145 pounder she's got like i said those big thick legs it's she has decent jujitsu. She has the chance, possibly, to get Felicia Spencer out of there, but she is not going to win a three-round decision over Felicia Spencer. It's not going to happen. Dude, dude, you're forgetting, Dale. This is in the apex. It's this, in the apex. Norma Dumont Spencer. is not. Huh? This suits Spencer. I know it does. That's what fight. I'm saying. I know it does. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm making the argument. I'm going to take Norma Dumont. I'm taking her based on of our, our my vow to the people to bet women's underdogs. But I'm telling you, as a betting perspective, if you it, it, get people that want, for whatever reason, want my opinion on how you should bet a fight, Felicia Spencer is going to win this fight. I think Felicia Spencer is going to win this fight. She might even do it inside the distance due to like a cumulative ground and pound in this late second, early third round because Norma Dumont's going to be exhausted from Felicia essentially riding her like, you know, uh, a, a freaking carnival ride for till till it's done. She's literally going to push her up against the cage, like you said. She's going to relentlessly attack takedowns, drag her down, and she's going to try to maul her on the ground. Mm -hmm. Norman Dumont is not built for that. She's going to have a terrible weight cut. She's going to have a hard time making 145 pounds. 
Her cardio is not going to be there. They're going to be in a small cage. Felicia Spencer by late TKO or by decision. If you're betting it, that would be my bet. As my vow to the people, I will bet Norman Dumont at plus money because I believe that women's underdogs and women's fights are 50-50. So I'm always going to bet the women's underdog. But Felicia Spencer by decision or late knockout. Mm, okay. I like is that it. clear enough? That's clear enough. Thank you. Did I do a good enough job breaking that down for you? That was good. Thank you. I right. appreciate it. All right. That's <laughs> that. Can't forget what what got us to the big show. You know, I can't I can't steer away from that. All right. That's right. Fair. You have Justin Toffa versus Jared Vanderon next. Yes, I do. I know you're excited about this fight too. You love you some freaking big boys just all out there just jiggly smacking into each other. Justin Toffa at four and two. Jared Vanderon at eleven and five. I had you all messed up earlier in the week, man. I told you I was going to take I was going to take Toffa. I'm not taking Toff at minus 185. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you give me the mountain at plus 155 with an over-under on rounds at one and a half, I'm going to take me the mountain at plus 155. Justin Toffa is not a minus 185 favorite against Jared Vanderoff at all. If this price was closer, you would see me bet on Justin Toffa. But you are not. It's too rich for my blood. I'm not playing that kind of that kind of juice. I want no part of that minus 185. If you're asking me to bet a heavyweight fight, I'm taking a heavyweight at plus 155. That is a guy in Jared Vanderall that's going to have the height, the weight, the reach, yep. and the experience advantage over Justin Toffa come Saturday night. What do you think? Yeah, I think that there's no way I would ever take a heavyweight at that deep of a price. Having said that, I will take Ben Rothwell at a deep price like that. But Justin Toffa is very one-dimensional. He is a guy that's just going to stand, trade, you know, lay back on that back leg and get ready to move forward and explode and try and get that knockout. Now – he doesn't know what to do on the ground, though. He's a turtle on the, turtle on the back of his shell. Jared Vandera is going to be a guy who can exercise a little bit of groundwork. Now, go back to his last fight. He fought the Caucus Mountain of all Caucus Mountain Warriors and Sergey Spivak, who actually has a ground game. So when you have someone that literally that's what he does, um, I can understand him not going out or having a very good affair. But going against someone, Justin Toffa, where there's a huge void in his game, which is the groundwork, and he can exercise a little bit better, the plus fifty, plus 155 money looks too enticing to pass up. Um, as heavyweights, we've seen in the Apex Center, that one and a half also looks super juicy. But, yeah, I'm taking plus money on this. Yeah. Again, about finding value, about finding dogs that will fight for your money. Jared Vanderaw, the mountain Jared Vanderaw, is a guy that will fight for your money. I don't think you need to get cute on the over-unders. I don't think you need to get cute by by finish or inside the distance. Just take the easy – I don't want to say it's easy plus money, but just take the simple to understand plus money. Just take Vanderaw any way you can get him. Mm-hmm. Plus 155 money line. Don't get greedy. Don't get cute. Just bet the plus money and get out of there. Agreed. All right, man. Co-main event of the evening. Nom, 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 nom. I had her name down earlier and I forgot what it was. I think it's Yan Shoyan. Oh, oh, oh. I thought. I think it's Yan Shoyan. Yan Shoyan. I think that's what it is. Taking on your girl, Carlos Esparza. Um, I don't have much to say here because you're going to go Carlos Esparza right off the rip, right? Um, Shoyan is at a minus 120. Carlos Esparza at a minus 110. Overrunner rounds is at two and a half. If you're looking at quality of competition, these women are very close. Although Carlos Barros has been doing it longer, Carlos Barros has been doing it longer. Um, I think that Carlos Barza is on the verge of a title shot here. I think the w- winner of this fight is next for Rose. I don't necessarily think they give Whaley the 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 next fight. 
just based on the way that was going and how long it takes to get Whaley booked and get her back to the U.S. and the way that Rose only seemingly wants to fight once a year. I don't think that it's Whaley next. I think it's the winner of this fight. As far as tickets go, I think they want Carlos Sparza to win. Um, but yeah, Yan Sho Young, I think it has a decent shot here against Carlos Sparza. But I can't tell you anything when it comes to the Cookie Monster, man. So just go ahead and tell us why you believe Carlos Sparza is going to win this fight. And because she's a women's underdog, I'm going to take her anyway. But I'm just going to let you have your moment here. Profess your love for one Carlos Sparza, as I know you're about to. Well, dude, I've been calling it every single time we we started since we started this podcast. She's been on a win streak, and the reason being is because I know that she's title bound again. Yon mm. is a high output striker. Uh, let's go back to her Claudia Claudia Gedalia fight, though. She was getting out grappled, and she was getting taken down by Claudia Gedalia. Mm-hmm. Strength of schedule, dude. Carlos Sparza has it, and you want to talk about. If you think Claudia Gedalia is taking you down, that Carlos Sparza is not going to, oh my gosh. Now, the one thing is Carlos Sparza is extremely smart. She's got a good fight IQ and she listens to her coaches. A lot of, you know, male and females that walk in the apex cage, even though it is small, they don't listen to their corners and they just do what instinct's telling them to do. Carlos Sparza showed that in the Marina Rodriguez fight. She was getting beat up badly on the feet. The coaches said, what are you doing? you got to go back to your wrestling base. And when it got into the later rounds, in two and a half to three, she was able to squeak out the split decision because she got the takedown, implemented insane ground and pound, which she's known for, and wrestle heavy through and through. Jan is not going to be able to stuff the takedown in the small Mm. apex cage. Mm. She doesn't have any pop that Carlos Mm. Barza is going to deal with any – she's not going to have any blunt force that's going to put Carlos Barza out. Carlos Sparza is going to close that distance, get it on the ground, make this a very boring fight, but enough to show that Jan stopped at what is the glorified gatekeeper that is Carlos Sparza. I hate calling her a gatekeeper, but that's what the UFC is trying to do here, and she's going to stuff it once more, and I hope she gets an opportunity right after this fight to climb back in the ranks and get some serious, serious talent up against her. I think Jan's going to be the bigger fighter come fight night. I mean, she's like five inches taller than Carla, is she not? Oh, I'm sure she is bigger, but that doesn't matter. That's okay. Shit. So you're betting Carlos Barza mm-hmm. by decision? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I dare call the main event the people's main event because I don't necessarily know if we're going di- to differ on too many things looking at the prelims. Um, or is it safe to say the, that Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt here is going to be the people's main event? I think so. You want to okay. hit the horn? I will here in a minute. Rob Font at 18 and four taking on your boy, your boy Cody. No love Garbrandt at 12 and three. This fight's a pick em, Trey. Over and rounds is at two and a half. I'm just going to lead in with it. It is the people's main event. It is the people's main event. Do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? Clearly by saying this is the people's main event, those of you who listen to the show know we are on opposite sides for this fight. Yep. One is smart and one is a retard. Oh, wow. Well, again, you just can never, <laughs> never... I'll let you go there, little man. <laughs> that's, that's very strange. Very strange. I am much larger than you. Okay. <laughs> Rob Font at 18-4, like I said, taking on Cody Garbrandt at 12-3. and three. Rob Font is going to put on a master class against Cody Garbrandt. Uh, at the risk of eating a ton of crow. Yeah. 
Rob Fawn is going to annihilate Cody Garbrandt. Oh my God. I, I just, I'm watching this fight, right? And I've watched, in preparation for today, I've watched Rob Rob Fawn's last three fights, and I watched Cody's fight against the Sun Sal. And I'm telling you, man, I just don't know how you watch these things and think that he doesn't annihilate Cody Garbrandt. Cody, obviously the big thing, right? Don't get sucked into the war. Use your speed. You you, you know, uh, you, you hit for really hard. You come from a well-rounded camp. You've been to the big show before. You former world champion. But if you look at Cody, we've got two. We have this new version of Cody now that exists, right? We have this fight night Cody where, for whatever reason, I don't know if he thinks it's going to get more padding or what, but. Fight Night Cody now has a giant beard and super long hair, whereas World Champion Cody would come in. He was always had the nice clean lines, the fresh fade, wearing the suits. He looked good. And then what happened? He got his dick knocked in the dirt. All his swag dripped out of him. And now he doesn't have any – dude, I'm telling you, the the confidence of Cody Garbrandt is gone. It's gone. If you look at his fight – against the Sun Sal, he fought timid the entire time he fought Rob timid. Font lost to Sun Sal same freaking way, dude. Not in his last three fights, though. And he actually lost. I'm talking about I'm talking about the last three fights. Sergio Pettis, Marlon Marais, and uh, what's-his-face, <clears throat> Ricky Simone, all of which possess the same skill sets in one facet or another that Cody Garbrandt possesses. And Rob Font dismantled them with relative ease. I think that he, I don't say he runs through Cody Garbrandt, but I think Rob Font just, I think he fucks Cody up and he gets him out of there inside the distance. I know some people were saying by decision, I don't think this fight needs the judges at all. I don't know when it's going to happen. I imagine it's going to happen somewhere around the third round. But I think Rob Font puts on a masterclass against Cody No Chin Garbrandt and knocks him out. God, dude. I think he knocks him out, man. Rob Font by knockout. Round three. This doesn't see round four. Doesn't see round four. No round four start. That's your whole argument was is is based on a hunch, dude. It's not a hunch. It's what I see. That's what I see. So here's the thing that makes combat. Here's the thing. Hold on. I'll let you finish. Here's the thing. What's what makes betting combat sports different than say betting the NBA? Is there's a real human component to all this this isn't a team sport a team gets you there but when you're in there it's up to the individual to compete so we can bet on the team as much as we want based on how they perform with the person but the person in the cage has to perform and if you look at the last four fights of cody garbrandt he's only shown up and performed one time and the time that he did it didn't look great until he got the win so I'm going off of what I've seen most recently. You are the biggest supporter of what no. have you done for me lately. And I'm telling you right now, one win out of your last four fights doesn't look good for you, bro, especially against a guy that's young and hungry. And you think Rob you think Rob Font doesn't want to get one back for Calvin Cater? You think that he doesn't want to make sure that the New England cartel keeps the momentum going forward? Rob Font's fighting with a chip on his shoulder. Cody Garbrandt and Max Holloway don't probably don't even know each other, but you mm. think Rob Font doesn't want a little bit of get back? 
for what happened to Calvin Cater. You think he didn't want to come out there and put on a master class and rep his team with Calvin Cater there in his corner? I'm telling you, Rob Font is annihilating Cody Garbrandt on Saturday night. He's going to annihilate him. A master class performance, Rob Font title contention, bantamweight. It's going down Saturday night. Your argument that he's one in three is not really fair because he's only lost he's lost three times, but it's only been anything against two people. And one of those two people was juiced to the gills and TJ Dillashaw, who's freaking world class. I will concede, I will concede that point. Yes. Okay. Everyone wants to look at the yesteryear of the fight with Pedro Munez. Yes, he was overzealous. He jumped in too aggressive and got clipped. It's a game of punch face. Anything can happen. Now, my biggest worry when he came back and fought a Sun Sal, yes, he did look timid. He looked timid because he hadn't fought in a year and a half. Ring rust is a real thing. The cage is completely different. There's no crowd. It was the first time in the apex for him. Of course he was hesitant, but what happened? He didn't go to a unanimous loss like Rob Font did to Sun Sal. He knocked his fucking head off, and it could be knockout of the year. Now, let's go back a little bit further. Yes, Cody Garbrandt has been known to kind of jump into the firefights, but that was prior to his new coaching. He has a great striking. He's doing hybrid hybrid coaching between Team Alpha Male and over on, over on the East Coast. We saw that on the Sun South fight. He is more patient. He is utilizing a better fight IQ, and he's more selective in his shots. Yeah, his beard's gotten longer. Yeah, he's got that teen wolf hair going. That's because he's in the beat laboratory, dude. He's on the barbershop. New England cartel, dude, I know they're all hopped up on Dunkin' Donuts and getting that good barber style, but Cody Garbrandt is putting freaking foot to pavement. This is his return, dude. This is a stepping stone. Rob Font, great, well-rounded fighter. I absolutely agree that. Yes, I think he's going to come in with maybe a little bit more of the crisp boxing. That's what the New England cartel is all about is the good boxing. When you have Calvin Cater, you know, your former – your training partner – of course, you're gonna you're gonna exercise at the best of your ability. Cody Garbrandt's gonna mix in the different strikes. He's gonna have Muay Thai a little bit better, I think. And I think, of course, Rob Font is not gonna be able to deal with the wrestling caliber that Cody Garbrandt has. Yes, he fought someone like Ricky Simone, who has great wrestling, but Ricky Simone didn't choose to exercise his wrestling in that fight. Cody Garbrandt's gonna make you exhausted. He's got great cardio, and he's put such an emphasis on making sure that he has a cardio tank for this fight. I know that this weight division is known for guys that have cardio, but Cody Garbrandt is going to wear you moving up, down, left, right, cutting off corners of the cage, being selective with the shots. You cannot base Cody Garbrandt based on the Pedro Munoz fight. That's ridiculous. TJ Dillashaw, sure, if you want to go an EPO, freaking juice to the go guy. But Cody Garbrandt, think of him, Dominic Cruz, and Pre. Again, I don't. I'm not even putting a lot of weight in the Munoz fight. What I'm seeing is a guy that isn't getting any better. You have another opportunity to see him get better because he's only fought once in three years. So again, that 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 doesn't negate my point. I don't. He's not getting any better. Was he good when he was champion? When he beat Dominic, when he beat Dominic Cruz, was one of the best performances of any fighter in any weight class. Ever. There was maybe one other person on the planet Earth that could have beat Cody Garbrandt that night. And that's it. The night he beat Dom Cruz for the belt, he was untouchable. You want to talk about the stars aligning, the MMA gods, whatever. Whoever it was, was in Cody Garbrandt's corner that night. He was untouchable, the best he's ever looked, ever. 
and it was one of the most one-sided outside of maybe Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin performances I've ever seen. It was like it wasn't even competitive, that fight he had against Dom Cruz. He looked leagues above. Like Dom Cruz had never he made he made Dominic Cruz look like Dominic Cruz had never fought before. It was a masterclass. I keep using that word. I'm going to try to get away from it. It was un it was unbelievable. But then he got into the TJ fight, and I don't know if he was too emotional. I don't know what it was, but the TJ fights obviously did not go his way. First one was kind of going his way until he got caught. Second one, not going his way at all. That was just it was just, meh. Then you have the Pedro Munoz fight. He was having mixed success in the Munoz fight. Mm-hmm. He did have Pedro stung a little bit, but he never. I mean, Pedro is notoriously hittable and has a great chin. So I don't want to say he had him in too much trouble, but he engaged in the firefight and he lost. The problem is, is that when he beat Cruz, that was like, the, to, well, to use what we're going to see on Saturday night, the apex of his skill set. That was the highest level of execution we've ever seen him initiate inside the octagon. Everything after that has been a step down. Even his win over a Sun Sal was not as good of a performance against that against Dominic Cruz. Even in the Munoz fight before he got beat by Munoz, it did not look near as good as it looked when he, when he was against Dominic Cruz. It was like he peaked on that night, right? Like, so you played. What did you What did you play in college? You You tout yourself as a Division One athlete. What did you play? You played tennis, right? Yeah. Okay, so you played tennis. And I'm guessing if you played at a Division One level, you you probably were or still are a hell of a tennis player. I did all right. Yeah, there were probably games or sets or matches where you were freaking untouchable, and it didn't matter what other person was on the other side of the court from you. They weren't. They'd be lucky to score a point on you. Yeah, stars right. line. Yeah, but then there was other times that you went out there. Probably the next one where you went out there and somebody washed you. And you were like, I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. Do I have it still? When you get your dick knocked in the dirt like that, it makes you question things. And when it's a one-on-one sport like tennis is with fighting, it's only you out there. It's up to you to execute. It can rattle you if you have loss after loss after loss. You played a ton of tennis on a collegiate level. How many matches did you ever lose consecutively? Do you you remember? Uh, No, a ton though. Right. So more than three in a row, four in a row? For sure, yeah. Okay. Did it make you question whether or not you were still good at what, like the sport? Yep, but then I went back to the drawing board and I got a new coach like he did. He did okay. stayed alpha male. He hybrid shot right. it. Now he's with Henry Hoof and his striking has never looked better. Mark Henry. Mark, Henry. Mark Henry. Sorry. Yeah. Mark Henry. Yeah. I don't want I just don't want us getting eaten alive in the comments. No. Um I, I understand your point. I understand your point. And I just Again, I just don't see him getting any better. I like the switch to Mark Henry. I, I think that's great, but we've only seen a very small sample size of that. Very small sample size of him with Mark Henry. And it didn't look great when I did see it. He got the win, but prior to that, a buzzer beater walk-off KO where you were just kind of messing around and a Sun Sao got sloppy is not indicative of a wholehearted change from within into a new skill set that you're comfortable with. Maybe now, another year later, maybe he is comfortable in that system. Maybe he does come out and look the best he's ever looked. Maybe he does rekindle that flame, that Dominic Cruz magic. Maybe he does, and I'll be wrong when I do it, but I just don't see it. So I'm a man of conviction. If I'm riding, I'm riding. I'm not I'm not one foot uh, 
one foot out the door here. I think Rob Font, I think he does it decisively. You think Cody Garbrandt, you think decisively. I'm cool with it. The most decisive thing in this fight, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think it's over two and a half. That two Ooh. and a half is set fairly low just hmm. because people think that Cody Garbrandt is chinny. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think in, I think I think Rob gets him out of there in round three. So okay. two and a half is kind of right in my sweet spot anyway, because if he knocks him out in the third round with two minutes left, I'm going to be real mad. Right. You know, because I got the round right, but that missed the over under on rounds. So, all right. We've Let's got see a here. Shit ton of prelims. I know, dude. We got to rifle through these quick, man. All right. Let's do it. Demir Osmogulov taking on Rafael Alves. Alves at 19 and 9. Ismogulov at 22 and 1. Caucus Mountain Warrior at 22 and 1. You can't tell me shit. Minus 575. Alves plus 400. Over on our rounds is at two and a half. Alves with the biggest weight miss in UFC history. You couldn't pay me to touch this guy until mm-hmm. I see him win a fight. Um, yeah, I, I'm taking I'm taking Ismagulov all day, every day. Uh, parlay piece him, whatever it is you want to do. Minus five seventy five is untouchable from a straight money line perspective. <laughs> but Caucus Mountain Warrior parlay, give me some of that. See, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch this fight with a ten foot stick, and the reason is, dude. I mean, minus five seventy five is a ridiculous price. Um, Ismagulov is super well-rounded. He's got good combos. He's not going to put you out. He's a smart fighter. He's got a two-inch reach advantage. He's going to dance around the cage. Um, the line's too ridiculous. Alves, you guys forget, this is the dude that missed weight by like a whole fucking weight class. Um, so, I mean, this he's obviously going up a, divi- up a weight division here, so that's going to fare for him a little bit better. He's not going to be cutting all that weight. He'll have a little bit more fluid under the skin. Um, he's got good jujitsu, um, but he's going to have that wild strike. And I think he's just going to get pieced apart by a guy who's going to be a little bit more on a little bit more technical. Um, he's just never going to find an area to close that distance, get to the ground. So yeah, I wouldn't put it as a parlay piece because this is one of those fights where it's so off and so many crazy things can happen in the apex cage, but um, yeah, Alves is not going to win this fight. Yancey Medeiros at 15 and seven, taking on Demir Hadzovic. Hadzovic at 13 and six, Trey. Uh, Hadzovic at a minus 120. Medeiros at a, at a minus 110. Over on rounds at two and a half. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is the one that confuses me the most. This is like Vegas knows something I don't know. Because when I saw this fight announced and when I saw it on the card and when I saw it when I was getting prepped for the show today, I thought Hadzovic murders Yancey Medeiros. <laughs> He's going to murder Yancey. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do like a Caucus Mountain Warrior parlay where I'm going to go as Magulov and Hedzovic, and it's going to be, you know, probably still minus 150 juice because they're going to be heavy favorites. But no, Hedzovic's a damn near pick them. Mm-hmm. So now I love it. But it also makes me question whether or not Vegas knows something I don't know. But I love Demir Hedzovic in this spot. Am I crazy here? The only thing I can think that maybe Vegas knows is Yancey's back training on Hawaii. He's training with Max Holloway, west side of Hawaii. You know, he was back here um, stateside for the longest time. Um, he's a 500 fighter. Um, Yancey, as everyone knows, is very uh, – he's big for the division. He's long. He's lanky. fights orthodox, southpaw, super susceptible to the takedown. Um, Demir, on the other hand, the dude's a freaking cannonball. He kind of plods forward. He's got these heavy hooks. He's got decent wrestlings. Will clinch you up against the cage. He'll hold heavy. His cardio is a little bit questionable, but Yancey gets pretty gassed too. Um, so 
I, you know, Apex Cage under two and a half does looks pretty sexy to me right there. But I, I think the money's coming in because Yancey, who he's training with, change up, um, and that he's so big for the division, dude. I don't know. I hate how much I love Hedzovic in this spot. Like, I'm questioning on like ringing the hammer. Like, I really want to hammer this. Hmm. Like Yancey's cardio is bad. Yeah, his chin is not great. No. Um, his takedown defense is non-existent. He doesn't have one punch knockout power. I don't know where he wins this fight outside of like a sloppy, bad cardio decision. I just, I don't see it. I really don't see where he wins this fight. Um, uh, I think I, I hate how much I love Hitsovic here. I'm telling you, man, I really feel like just going hammer, hammer Hitsovic. I really feel like saying that. Historicals would historicals would say that Yancey's gonna do one of two things. He's gonna gas out and get submitted or clocked, or he's gonna get he's gonna get sucked into a brawl, which he's done time and time again, and he gets clipped. So Hadsovic, I just think is better everywhere around. People just wanna know how much better is he getting or is Yancey getting on the west side of Hawaii now back with Max. Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna go with Hitsovic here. Um I reserve the right to smack the hammer down at, at, a, at a later point in time. All right. Sounds good. Joshua Kulabal taking on Yilan Shah. Shot 19 and 6. Kulabal at 8 and 1. Kulabal, just tough as he wants to be, man, taking on Yilan Shah here. Um, minus 255, though. Do we think? Do we think we like Kulabal at that price? Taking on Shah, who's at a plus 200 over on around at two and a half. I mean, do we like Kulabal at that price, though? Minus two fifty five. Dude, we didn't like him when he fought Charles Air Jordan, dude. We both went Air Jordan in that fight, and he surprised us. And that's yeah. why that minus two fifty five is there. Uh, Yilan Shaw is the first time dropping dropping to one forty five, so that makes it a little bit interesting. Normally, he's a one fifty five er, but total salt and pepper guy that's going to jab you from the outside circle. He's not going to cut corners. I think this is going to be a really boring, lackluster fight, but um, mm. I don't think anyone's going to put each other out of here. A guy that's going to circle around the cage and Kulabau, who we saw is extremely durable, kind of wants to stand in the pocket, but he's going to be chasing all night long. Um, I, I don't know. Do I'm probably to? just going to avoid this fight, to be honest with you. I don't I particularly agree. love it. I don't particularly love it, man. I don't love it either, and – uh, if anything, I'd probably say this thing's gonna go the distance, just how the you know the fighting styles. But that's all I'd play on this thing. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see what do we got next. Uh, Victor Rodriguez taking on Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva with that quick turnaround, man, coming off of that. Uh, it was an underdog victory, man. Um, if I'm not mistaken, or was he a favorite over JP Buys? No, I thought JP Buys was the favorite. I think the JP. I think JP Buys was the favorite for that, but he did come out. He looked fantastic against JP Buys. I don't necessarily know that it's Bruno Silva looked fantastic or JP Buys just isn't that good, but a minus three thirty here is a oh man, that's a hell of a price. Uh, Victor Rodriguez plus two fifty five over and around is a two and a half. I'm going to take Bruno Silva based off of recency bias one because how good he looked over Bruno Silva two the camp that he comes out of because you know Captain America Henry Cejudo all those dudes. Um, I'm going to take him there. I'll be looking to put Silva in probably one of those, um, one of those two fight parlays that I've been talking about. Probably going to see a couple of those pop up on Saturday. Um, there's some, 
Hadzovic's one of them. Bruno Silva's one of them. Jack Hermanson's one of them that we were talking about. Rob Font's one of them that we've been talking about. Ben Rothwell's another one that we're going to get to. There's probably five or six fighters on this card that I really like, and I'm probably going to be doing a lot of mix and match, two-fight parlays. Bruno Silva's going to be one of them. Um, don't really care much for like a full in-depth breakdown. I think Bruno Silva gets it done. I think he can probably get Victor Rodriguez out of there if he wants to. I don't know if he will. I don't like putting all my eggs in in the finish basket with a guy that can be so wrestle heavy, but I do like Bruno Silva. I like the bulldog to get it. I like him to get it done on Saturday. What do you think? Can you see, you, can you find this while I'm talking for a second? I'm pretty sure Victor Rodriguez is dropping like 15 classes. dude. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I think it's because when he fought Adrian Yanis, dude, he just got his head fucking clipped to like the 20th row. Yeah. Well, and, you, that head kick. Yeah. The head kick. And I'm pretty sure he's dropping like two classes at least to get to this fight. Bruno Silva, to your point, he's got a great karate style, great wrestling. Victor Rodriguez does not know how to negate the takedown. Um, and if he is, if he is, to my knowledge, dropping a couple classes, he's not going to have the fluid in his face to freaking deal with the barrage of punching and explosion mm -hmm. that Bruno Silva holds in his hands. It's a guy that's able to land heavy, you know, drop down, try and get a single. He's got great cardio. Um, yeah, he's had some trips and falls in his previous resume, but he is a guy that's going to be in your face and is going to wear on you. Um, and Victor Rodriguez, he's a guy normally if he gets clipped in the face, he's a deer in the headlights. He's a guy that thinks about it, thinks about what just happened for a second before he gets back in the fight. And you just don't have that time elapse to think, readjust, and then go forward because Bruno Silva is going to be all over you. I like Bruno Silva. I will be mixing him into a bunch of different little parlays there. Um, Sucks. He's minus three thirty. Maybe it'll get a little bit closer because of the dropping away classes. But outside of that, Bruno Silva's got this in the bag. I don't see where Victor Rodriguez competed outside of bantamweight. So I think I think really I could have sworn, dude. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right spot. But every fight I'm seeing for him was was at bantamweight. At least his last five or six. So okay. All right, Claudio Silva at fourteen and two, taking on Court McGee at nineteen. And 10, salty-ass record on Court McGee. But you know my favorite bet when it comes to Court McGee is what? Decision. Well, not only that, but how many times are going to mention he was a drug addict? Oh, that too. Setting the line at two. We're going to go two this time. I think they're going to mention it twice that Court McGee was a drug addict. The longer the fight that goes on, the more they mention that Court McGee was a drug addict. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Claudio Silva, Court McGee, minus 115. But essentially, pick them fight here. Overrun rounds at two and a half. This is for me an avoidable fight. Um, I do like over two and a half here because Court McGee is notoriously durable. Yeah. And my only concern is with Claudio Silva, he does get tired. So Court McGee getting a finish has got to be at astronomical odds. And I say that because Court McGee doesn't finish, finish anything. Dude doesn't even finish his dinner, let alone finish a fight. Um, <laughs> Claudio Silva, on the other hand, though, will exhaust himself trying to get you out of there. And if he can't get you out, he will, you know, uh, kill himself in the process of doing so. So Court McGee might get the most ever elusive finish, um, or at least the most elusive finish that I think we're likely to see this year against Claudio Silva. Mm, God, I don't see the finish happening. Uh, to your point, Claudio Silva, yes, he does get gas. He's an old dude, though, dude. The guy's, what, 39 or something? He's an old dude. Mm. He's, an, he's an old dog. 
Uh, Thoughts and prayers to all, all our 39 and older listeners. <laughs> Corey McGee is uh, he's a decision maniac. That's because to your point, he's he is super durable. He just gets outclassed by fighters that are just a little bit better. I'm going to play this in two ways. If I'm going to play it, I'm going to play either Claudia Silva by sub or I'm going to play Court McGee by decision. I think that Claudia Silva's game plan always has been, which is exhausting, which is why he does gas out, is I'm going to swing for the fucking fences, throwing the kitchen sink up against the wall, and God forbid Court McGee slips on a banana peel and I can get this thing to the ground and get on, like, on the guy's back, lock in some hooks, try and make it dirty, get a rear naked or whatever it may be. That's his game plan. Whatever you can do to make dirty, someone fucks up, get it on the ground, get a sub. So I'm either going Silva by sub, Court McGee, because he is durable, and if it does stay on the feet, I can see him outlasting that barrage of psychoness and get into a decision. Interesting. So fun fact, Court McGee has lost five out of his last six. Um, he has not been finished since 2016 mm. from Santiago Ponzinibbio. Has not finished anybody. Hold on a second here. If I'm not mistaken. Has not got a win by finish. Since a arm triangle choke over Ryan Jensen, Ooh. UFC 121 Lesnar versus Velasquez <clears throat> is the last time that Court McGee has gotten a finish. Does hold a win over Robert Whitaker, though. <laughs> Court McGee, look, man, I'm telling. Dude, can I? I'm going to look up the odds real quick. I need to see. It's not even going to be out yet. Court McGee by knockout. Fucking give it to me, bro. Give it to me. He's fighting for his job. He's lost five out of the last six. Fighting for his job. Claudio Silva. If he can't, if he can't submit him, that won't be less than plus eight hundred. All right, man. Over under around under two and a half at a plus one fifty. I'm going Court McGee by knockout, bro. Hammer lock of the night. Lock it up. All right. Drug addict Court McGee. Speaking of knockouts. <laughs> All right, Ben Rothwell versus Chris Barnett. You're throwing me off with the big ticker with the big thing there. Yeah. Uh, ben Rothwell minus 310, Chris Barnett at plus 250. The long-anticipated UFC debut of Chris Barnett. Have you ever watched Chris Barnett fight? No, I have not. YouTube is your friend. If you are unfamiliar with Chris Barnett, I encourage everyone who has not seen this gentleman <laughs> fight, you need to get on YouTube and you need to look up Chris Barnett. Uh, for starters, he's five foot nine. And most of his fights, with the exception of his most recent one and this one on Saturday, um, have taken place at over 265 pounds. He has fought at the super heavyweight limit. He is massive for a big boy. He is super thick, low center of gravity, hard to knock down. This will be a comic book style fight against Ben Rothwell, who is big as a house, taking on Chris Barnett, who is as wide as a shed, but not very tall. Ben Rothwell minus 310, Chris Barnett plus 250. Give me Ben Rothwell. Uh, like I said earlier, he'll be in a two-fight parlay, two or three-fight parlay. But I like Ben Rothwell. He does need to be a little, little careful because Chris Barnett is crazy and unorthodox. But this is a bad matchup for Chris Barnett. He's getting a short notice opportunity here. Got to make the most of it. But I don't think he gets it done against Ben Rothwell, one of the most consistently average performers in all of the UFC heavyweight roster. Ben Rothwell, 50-50 fighter, 
Take him when you can at plus money. Consider parlays when he's at minus money. Ben Rothwell, two-fight parlay. Don't overthink it. No, no, absolutely not. I didn't know that Chris Barnett's that small, too. Ben Rothwell could literally just fall over like a tree in the fucking rainforest and Bro. just smother this guy. And that's what I've been wanting Ben Rothwell to do or exercise for his past, like, five fights. He has an underrated ground game. If he can utilize his ground game against a guy that's 5'9", as well as his striking, which we all know Ben Rothwell has got high output for, for a heavyweight, oh, this is going to be a smother fest. Yeah. All right, Ben Rothwell in the two-fight parlay. I like Chris Barnett, though. I like the fact that he's in the UFC now. Hopefully, he is more than a one-fight deal. All right, we got two fights. We're going to get through these quick. Bill Algio versus Ricardo Hamos. Bill Algio at 14 and 5. Ricardo Hamos at 14 and 3. Truthfully, I get Billy Q and Bill Algio mixed up a lot, but I do like Bill Algio in this fight. I know who he is. I know he's fighting Ricardo Hamos, who's a Team Alpha Male guy. I know you're on that Team Alpha Male side, but I like Bill Algio. I think the pressure, I think the durability. I think the pace of Algio helps him get it done. He's a minus 125 favorite here over Hamos. Is it a minus 105 over and around? Is it two and a half? Algio inside the distance is my play, Trey. Mm. Yeah, I had to look real quick because you had me confused with the whole Billy Q, Billy Algio thing. Because that just They throw me off, man. I know. They, you just did it to me because I was like second-guessing myself. Well, hold on. Bill Algio is the guy that fought Spike Carlisle, my boy, in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and – I feel like he's getting the lean on this line just because of that, because he dealt with the storm that was Spike Carlisle in that first round, whether he's got decent jiu-jitsu, um, he moves in and out, he's got good cardio, he doesn't have heavy shots, but he's durable. And that's what we saw in that Spike Carlisle fight. When you look at Ricardo Hamos, freaking Team Alpha Male guy, how am I going to fade that? I'm not going to fade him for a couple of reasons. One, Team Alpha Male. Two, he's got a uh, black belt jiu-jitsu he's got super heavy hands he explodes forwards if he doesn't get you down he's going to wrestle and maul you up against the cage sure algio is going to have a good cardio tank but he's not going to deal with the power and pressure that ricardo hamas is going to have and god forbid it's standing i could see hamas getting this thing done inside the distance with a freaking overhand right i like the under the two and a half i like hamas i'm taking him for sure in this fight okay and then this oh man this one again Leaning towards my lock of the night, Jack Hermanson at 21 and six, taking on Edmund Shabazian at 11 and one. I believe that we're both probably going to be pretty heavy on Jack Hermanson here and love him at the minus 160 price. Over and around is at one and a half. I love Jack Hermanson. I think don't get cute with it, man. Don't church it up. Smash Shabazian against the cage, take him down and submit him quick, fast, in a hurry. No point in dragging it out, making it a stand up battle and risk getting cracked. Derek Brunson gave you the blueprint on how to beat Shabazi and take him down, make him work, gas him out, choke him out, collect your check, go home. Jack Hermanson inside the distance uh, against Edmund Shabazi. And I don't necessarily know about one and a half. That's a weird spot for it. But I do like Jack Hermanson. I do like this fight to not go the distance. Probably fight doesn't go the distance. It's somewhere around the minus 250 mark is where it'll end up. Um, I still like it. I'll play that minus 250 juice on that because I like I like this fight to not go the distance because Shabazian's path to victory is knockout. Hermanson's path to victory is any way that he wants it inside the distance. He can get the submission. He can get the knockout. His cardio will be superior. His wrestling superior. His standup, honestly, is probably even superior. He just doesn't have, hold the power advantage. I think Jack Hermanson is still a force to be reckoned with. He just ran into a rough spot. He gets it done against Edmund Shabazian on Saturday night. Yeah, I think the one and a half there because – 
Edmund and his is prior to the Derek Brunson fight. He was getting everything done in that one, one and a half range. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the biggest blessing from a, a travesty that was that Shabazian versus Derek Brunson fight for Shabazian is that he must have gone back and said, okay, I've got to learn how to negate wrestling. I've got to have better takedown defense. Jack Hermanson, I don't think he's going to have as good wrestling as Derek Brunson had, but Jack Hermanson is going to have the subs to your point. I think if he can get those inside leg trips, he can get this thing on the ground. Edmund's not going to know what to do. Edmund's best path to victory is trying to go seek that knockout, whether it's that outside leg kick or just heavy hands up the center. I'm not a fan of Edmund's coach. I never have been. I think he's a wiser version of Joshua Fabia. Um, yikes, dude. I went there. Um, I think that uh, Jack Manson gets this thing done. Um, but if you are going to play Shabazi and play him under two, um, that's it. Okay, perfect, man. All right, let's let's recap these real quick. Uh, looks like based on the comments that the it, that YouTube was having some issues, so let's run through these real quick so people can see where we landed on some of these. All right, bottom to top. Demir Ismagulov, Rafael Alves. I'm on Ismagulov. Ismagulov. Medeiros versus Hadsovic. I'm on Hadsovic, and I hate how much I love it. Me too. Kulabal versus Shaw. I'm leaning Kulabal. Gosh, I'm going to go Kulabal as well. All right. Silva versus Rodriguez. I like Silva, and I like him inside the distance. Yep, Bruno Silva, absolutely. Court McGee versus Claudio Silva. Um, historically speaking, you should probably bet on Claudio Silva, but I lo- I'm wondering how weird I can get with Court McGee by finish. I'm going to go Court McGee, but I'm going by decision. Ben Rothwell versus Chris Barnett. I'm going Ben Rothwell. Ben Rothwell, for sure. Bill Algio versus Ricardo Hamos. I'm going Algio. I'm going Hamos. Hermanson versus Shabazian. I'm going Hermanson, but I like fight does not go the distance most of all. I'm going Hermanson by sub. All right. Dovrak versus Paiva. I'm going to lean Paiva for the show, but I want to see them stand face to face. Another Tam guy. I'm not going to fade. I'm going Paiva. All right. Felicia Spencer versus Norma Dumont. Uh, adhering to all women's underdogs, I will go to, with Norma Dumont, although Felicia Spencer by late TKO seems likely. Yeah, I'm going with Spencer the Strawberry. Justin Toffa versus Jared Vanderaw. I'm going plus money heavyweight, plus 155. Jared Vanderaw, the mountain, gets it done. I don't even think it's sketchy. I think Vanderaw gets it done. Yan Xiaoyan. At thirteen and one, Carlos Sparza, seventeen and six for that main event. Probably a title eliminator here. Again, going women's underdogs. I'm going Carlos Sparza. Mm, the Cookie Monster. You can't go wrong. All right, and then the main event is also the people's main event. Coincidentally mm-hmm. enough, uh, high stakes main event here. Cody Garbrandt taking on Rob Font. I am on Team Font by masterclass performance. And I think you're going to get the old version of Cody Garbrandt. All right. Sounds good, man. I want to give a shout out to our show sponsors, Allegiance Clothing and Stay Classy Meats. Go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FISH. You can save 10% on your entire order. Also, shout out to Allegiance Clothing and our uh, our good friend and Allegiance ally, Taylor Tombstone Johnson. Congratulations on signing a new fight contract with Bellator. Can't wait to see you on June 11th as you take on what the fuck is that? Dude, what is this kid's name, man? It is impossibly hard. Uh, Kazimarat Bastiv. I said he looks like the guy when you go to a club that only orders uh bottle service and wears Armani Exchange, has way too much body 
uh, Axe body spray. Yeah, for um, sure. Just needs to be murked for America. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. This guy can't go three hours without mentioning to somebody that he's a fighter. <laughs> Dude, for sure. He has a UFC sticker on the back of his car. Hundred percent. Like. 100% this guy cannot go without mentioning that he's a, uh, a fighter more than three hours is what he looks like for sure. For sure. Like, did you know he's a fighter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude. All right. Uh, top countries for our last episode. We appreciate everybody that downloads the show. Uh, if you like the content that we provide, feel free to subscribe on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Instagram is where we do most of our work and where we're available on uh, fight nights where you can easily reach out to us. We try to be as active as we possibly can. I don't think anybody out there that interacts with us on Instagram would say that we are hard to get a hold of. We are very, uh, because there's two of us, there is always a tandem of people at the ready. Uh, Shout out to our top countries for our last episode. Downloads the United States, Canada, Australia, the UK, Germany, New Zealand, India, Spain, Sweden, and Norway. If you are in one of those countries, we appreciate you. You're in the top 10. If you're not mentioned right there, doesn't mean that we didn't see you, but it means you're not in the top 10, so you need to tell your friends about us. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes. That's the quickest way and fastest way to help us grow. Helping us grow helps us bring new opportunities to you guys. We're going to have Drew Dober back on the show. We're going to have Taylor back on the show. Um, Haley hopefully uh, has some contender series news coming up. We'll see. Maybe spoiler alert there. Um, and we'll try to get some more people on. Calvin Cater is going to be coming on back here uh, at a certain point, too, once he gets a fight booked. So all these opportunities are out there. We just got to reach out and grab them. Shout out to Ram FC that lets us do our thing on the microphone for them. Um, yeah, man, that's really about it, dude. I think I've, did I say thank you to everybody. Shout out to shout out to Roy at Allegiance Clothing. Appreciate you guys. Shout out to Baked Cat Studio, who designed the T-shirt. Trey uh, previewed our first T-shirt design, the Wave the Flag design. Uh, That'll be getting thrown on a premium Buttersoft Allegiance tee here soon, and that will be available for order. Uh, The new Tombstone Taylor T-shirt will be available for pre-order as well before his fight on June 11th. Bro, am I missing anything here? (laughs) I don't think so, dude. Besides right. giving away our social security number, I think you got it. Awesome, man. I blacked out there. I don't even know what I said. Did, <laughs> did I give it away? Do you guys want my bank account? Hey, let me give you my crypto password so you guys can see how much Dogecoin I have. <laughs> to the moon, dude. To the moon, baby. I'm going to the moon safely. I got in on Safe Moon yesterday. <laughs> safe Moon? Safe Moon, yeah. What's Safe Moon? It's just like another shit coin, but um, I was on it. It was weird. Uh, shout out to my buddy, Mark. Uh, he's got a, uh, clothing company, subculture athletics. He, he put me on it. He was like, Hey man, I'm on this like weird little shit coin. Um, uh, if you want to get in on it, it's got this weird thing where it's different. This is not financial advice. Um, where, <laughs> where if you get out of it, right, there's a 10% penalty and that 10% penalty gets redistributed amongst all the other coin holders. So it discourages people from leaving early. Um, So he was like, Hey man, if you want to get in on it, get in on it. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll throw some coin on it. So I did. And then lo and behold, your boy, um, one of your two idols outside of you have Jordan Belfort and then Dave Portnoy, your two, your Mount Rushmore of people that you love. Portnoy put out a thing yesterday saying he's all over safe moon. So, I was kind of a little bit early to the game on Safe Moon, but Portnoy might be pumping and dumping because he loves Elon Musk and he loves to do everything that Elon does. Anyway, way off topic. This is an MMA show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got a little crypto. You know, I, well, you know, I've been on the crypto game to begin with. You know, clearly, 
clearly, you know, I have, <laughs> I have a golf cart, so I'm big on, I'm big on Bitcoin. Uh, I bought my golf cart with Bitcoin. So yeah, you know, I'm big, I'm, I'm moving and shaking here, bro. That's, think, cool. That's cool, dude. Fucking the, rich, dude. Jesus. These, these, these $5 piece craft beers don't buy themselves, Trey. That's right. You should have got on that Shibu Unu, whatever that coin was, dude. Bro, I have 19 million Shiba. You got some Shiba? I have 19 million of them. Shiba Kamini Sona? So Shiba, you got, dude? The Shiba Inu coin? I got 19 million of them. That's not a joke. I legit have 19 million. I bought 19 million. So let that thing get to a dollar. You will never see me again. I will I will be in the freaking, I will be in Belize. Like that, your background will be real for me if that Shiba <laughs> if, if Shiba hits hits a buck, bro. It's it's over with. Oh, dude. oh man, we're we are in some trouble here. All right, let's close it out. All right, man. Um, yeah, if you haven't already done so, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing everywhere you possibly can. Appreciate everybody that supports the show. Talk to you guys this Saturday night. UFC Vegas 27. Boom. Garbrandt versus Font at the UFC Apex. I'm going to switch it up. For a year now, I've been telling people to be good to each other. I've been Go I'm gonna, fuck yourself. <laughs> no, I'm not, definitely not going to do that. Um I'm going to switch it up, though. I'm going to switch it up. I'm, I, I, I was thinking about this, right? Um, okay. The more media stuff that we do, the better tagline I think I need to have on my exit. And I don't like be good to each other. Okay. Where All are right. We going with? Remember where you came from. That's deep. That's a little, that's a little too deep, dude. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.